glorified in this. Lord, we pray that your presence, God, would just compel us. We pray that no faculty of man, no wisdom of man would be here tonight. Lord, we just pray for your heart, your intention, your wisdom. God, we thank you that you bring us here. We thank you that you beckon us into your presence. We just ask that tonight, Lord, you'd have your way with us. Just as the song says, Lord, have your way in me. We pray that everything, Lord, that is on our mind, everything that we came in with our heart, Lord, the burdens of the world, God, the drudgery of life, God, would just fall away just for a few moments tonight and we would be able to connect with you in such an unfilled and holy, righteous way because, God, we need to hear what you have for us. Lord, we don't want the wisdom of man. We want the throne room wisdom for us. God, we want to be a righteous people, so give your children the desires of their heart tonight, Lord. Inspire us and encourage us, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Why don't you guys uh, get comfortable, have a seat, and uh, we'll get started. Say hello to someone that's kind of near or far from you. doesn't matter. Feeling the love in here tonight. It's great. Well, it's good to see you guys. And that, that phrase has new meaning for me this week because uh, my wife, as you know, or many of you know, she's a, a veterinarian. And that means that we have a life of chaos at any moment that the phone rings on a weeknight. And there's like a horse, like a severed leg. You know, we got to go out and find it. And it's funny because every single time the past like two weeks we said, let's go to Big Spoon. On the way to Big Spoon, we will get a call for some horses in distress. It's crazy. Sorry, Sal, I'm not going to go to Big Spoon for a little bit because I don't want any more of these emergencies. But uh, so I don't know, it was like Tuesday night or something. We're at dinner with some friends. We finished. We're like, oh, Big Spoon sounds so good, you know. So we go off and, and we head over to Big Spoon. And of course, there's five missed calls. And uh, there's a horse that's in distress. And it has you know, found some way to, like, almost sever its leg, you know, off. Camille jokes that, oh, you didn't know what happened. Got it. Leg got stuck, ripped it out. Of course, sounds like a great activity to do on a Tuesday night. Of course, it's like when, like, the temperature, you know, like, goes down, like, wind and all that stuff. And uh, what's funny is that Camille jokes that horses live their lives trying to commit suicide. And you just got to, like, remove all the sharp objects from their existence. Because they'll find the one nail to impale themselves on. So uh, I don't like horses, like, a whole lot. Like, they're beautiful creatures, but, like, I like things with throttles and brakes. Like, I don't want there to be any debate about when I want to stop, you know. So, um, so I have, like, a love-hate relationship with horses, but being married to Camille... You know, sometimes there's not a whole lot of options, so I'll go and, like, assist on some of these things. And so we went to try and repair this leg, and it's this huge, like, Belgium horse. You know, it's like one of, like, the Budweiser horses, which I know you guys should know what it looked like. But, you know, one of these huge horses, and, um, you know, had this huge cut, bleeding, spurting all over the place. It was so gross. I'm kind of a little bit squeamish anyways. And I had to hold this horse, you know, hoof up, and the horse was so angry about it all. And as Camille's trying to, like insert anesthesia into like the whole you know leg and hoof 
try and numb it all out so we can do the surgery, the horse like jerks and the needle comes off the syringe and as Camille's plunging it, I get anesthesia directly into my eye. Like it was, it was like a super soaker like this and it was so direct, it like moved my contact lens out of the way and like I didn't have a, a chance and so I'm sitting here like, oh dear father, what was that? You know, and you know, we have the, the clients there and we're in the dark with like flashlights, you know, and I want to try and keep a, you know, a professional, you know, presence for Camille and her clients, but I'm like thinking, I'm going blind right now. Like, my eye starts tingling, and I'm like, um, part of that got in my eye, and she's like, oh, well, it's like, and then we go over the truck, it's like, all of that went in my eye, <laughs> I was like, I can't feel this, and, and so fortunately, it was fine, but like, my lip was numb, my whole eyeball, gosh, it's good to see you, I thought that I might be done, like, if I lose my sight in my hands, I'm like a worthless human being because everything I do is with a computer, you know. Oh, so, oh, it's good to see you guys. So that was my week. Uh, my week w- was great because, one, I've been able to, to spend more time with my wife, and she's pregnant. She felt her first kick today, which is kind of exciting. So maybe we'll have a soccer player. I don't know. So um, we find out if it's a boy or girl on June 8th. So that'll be exciting. We might live stream it, probably not, but that would be really cool if Camille would let me. Um, but also, I've been like stirring on like what, what was for this week, and people would ask, so what, what's coming up this week? And so I'm just still kind of waiting for God to reveal it. And so God gave me a, a passage. Uh, actually, he, he first gave me a word, and it was from Katie, gosh, maybe two months ago or so. And it was, everyone take their place. So it came back when we were in pre-service prayer, and it was like, oh, that's really cool. We talked about that, and so... Over the past couple of weeks, I've been just searching the scriptures, and I have my routine where I, I kind of go systematically through some different books, and then I just supplement different areas and different things I try and read and encourage myself with. And so, like, all, like, over the past two weeks, everything I've read has talked about gifts and about roles and about, you know, be courageous with your faith. Speak boldly as the utterances of God. We're one body. We're many parts. We're unified. You know, all these different things, like, over and over and over again apostles and prophets and teachers and, and all these things. And so, like, literally, I'm, like, going through the, the, the Bible, and I'm just, like, stumbling across all these, these verses and all these passages on the same idea. So I'm like, hmm, God wants me to speak about love this week. No, I mean, it's like, I'm a slow learner, but he made it painfully obvious that he wants to take that original word that was given to us, everyone take your place, and have us learn for what real ministry, real kingdom ministry is about. And the reason this is important is because, uh, I don't know if you've heard the term like a pew potato. You know, you go to church and you basically go and you sit and your job is to warm that pew and to fill that spot, you know. And that's church. Church for you is like, I'm going to go and I'm going to put in my, you know, one hour and 26 minutes and not a moment longer. And that is like my God time space. Don't let Jesus creep anywhere else out there. You know, like that's it. You're like, I'm religious by my presence in a chair. And if I nod my head and don't fall asleep, then extra points, you know. So I look at, at so much of our American culture and, and, and church, and I see, if I could be really honest, I see the minimalization of a generation that can change the world. I see pastors and preachers, I see ministries that they live their entire life to try and prop up them, like what they're doing, and make sure that nobody else gets out of place. It's, it's, it's hard to, to believe, but I've seen it. And it saddens me because there becomes a point where the name of the ministry becomes more important than the work of the ministry. And so I want to implore to you tonight 
is first have a confession. Everyone's like, ooh, this will be good. It's not as juicy as you might think. But some of you have called me pastor, think I'm a pastor. I have a confession. I'm not a pastor. I know, right? Oh, my gosh. You know, you're like, I didn't think that anyways. But <laughs> I won't hold it against you. But I, I have a confession to, to say that I, I don't have a, a big certificate. I don't know if I give you a certificate. I don't have a hat or like a big collar or something like that in like some robe room. Um, I don't have any secret underwear. Anything is like that, which I've heard. And certain, I don't, you know, you never know. I, I have not been officially you know, ordained by an organization to be an official pastor. So, but I say that in all the best terms because I want you guys to know that though I might be the person that has the microphone here, I believe that God has called us not to become vocationally oriented for being a pastor or preacher or to lead a ministry. He's, be, he's called us to become ministers of the gospel and proclaimers of his goodness and to be moving his ministry, all, all of us together. So I want us to have a mentality that I might be the one with the microphone for tonight, but that we do ministry together. We need to know that my work and your work and our work together is one and the same, and we have different roles. Tonight is a night where I want to illuminate God's purposes and plans for ministry and for his kingdom purposes here for us. And so that's what I want to talk about. And it's amazing because, you know, you talk to people, and they want to live these cozy, like, really comfortable lives. They think that the, the sign of Jesus in your life is that the absence of bad things and nothing more. They don't want to get, you know, they don't want to raise their hands. They don't want to do anything. They don't want to show up to anything else. They just want to have their normal schedule. And I don't find any justification anywhere in the Bible that calls us to be these wimpy, wussy Christians. I don't see where the Bible calls us to be idle in our faith and to speak with timidity and to speak with shyness and to go dig your head in the sand. You know, I don't see that. My Bible says that we will do greater things than Jesus. John 14. My Bible says that we'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. And that we'll be Christ's witnesses to the ends of the earth. My Bible says that all men on this earth will know that you belong to Jesus by the way that you love. My Bible says that we'll be able to test and approve the very will of God by the transforming of our mind. My Bible says that we'll have the manifold wisdom, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven in our life on display for all the world to see. That doesn't sound like a a nice, cozy, one-hour, 26-minute Christian life. And so I want to look at the scriptures tonight with you and, and be compelled that we are meant to be something larger, something greater than maybe what we've experienced so far. Now let me give you an example. Let's say you have a ton of money, and you are going to buy a house from, like, you're going to build a house from scratch. I, uh, I had lunch yesterday with a, a Silicon Valley CEO. This guy has made probably, like, two billion dollars. It's crazy, and he's the most on-fire, anointed man I have, like, encountered in business maybe all my life. Powerful, powerful stuff, and he ha- he's had money to generational wealth. It's crazy, but let me just say that you're that guy, you have money that will, will pay for your, you know, five generations removed, but you want to build your own house. Now, are you going to go and find, like, one guy? Like, maybe you're thinking, I need one guy who's, like, the jack of all trades. He needs to be an architect. He needs to be a contractor. He needs to be an electrician. No. You're not going to ever expect someone to build a house by themselves. 
you're going to expect someone that has an expertise that is, you know, maybe an aggregator, but you're going to expect the best electrician. You're going to expect the best painter because you want all the details. You want the faux painting over here. You're going to expect the best colors, an interior decorator. You're going to have someone who knows where to get, like, the Brazilian cherry wood and decorate your, you know, bathroom. You're going to know the place to buy customized toilet paper with your monogram on it. I mean, you're going to, like, look at things differently. You're going to say, I don't believe a one-size-fits-all, a one person is going to be good enough. I want every expert in the field of this endeavor to be prime on their game specialists. When you have a heart condition, let's say you have a terminal condition of your heart, are you going to be like, just give me an ear, nose, and throat. That guy's good enough. No, you're going to be like, find me the best guy on this planet, you know, and I want that guy to do my surgery. So why would we expect anything less than that when it comes to ministry? Why would we expect that there's going to be one guy who can maybe open the Bible, speak some really encouraging things, and expect that to be our ministry? And I want to give a, a little bit of an idea of, of where we're going, that, that the ministry, yes, the, there's people that have individual gifts, but you and I are all specialists in the kingdom. Just as there's a specialist for granite countertops and, and cherry floors, you are the specialist of the kingdom of God. It might not be a specialist to have a microphone, maybe not with that attitude, but maybe you can find yourself to see that you would have an opportunity to be a specialist in his, in his kingdom. Cody is, is here tonight. I love you, man, but you are bumming me out because you're leaving for the Marines tonight. And he's got his hair cut and he's all set, but I love it. He's so disciplined, but I look at him and he's like special forces, like I'm like the man. You know, well, he's not saying that, but I'm like saying that for him. And, uh, and he's going to be one of the, the top ranks. I mean, the discipline he's going to have to have to go through what he's going to go through is amazing. And we need to know that each one of us work together to be those specialists. The same metaphor is used by Paul in 1 Corinthians 3. It says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. So clearly we look at the kingdom, we, we look at the opportunity before us, and we need to know that your job just might be to build the foundation. Others might be called to lay the initial woodwork. Others might be called for the finished work. In the kingdom work, we are all specialists. Now, what is the specialist, or what is the specialty for you? Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read tonight from uh, the NASB, and I apologize for, if you don't have the, the same translation. I've been jumping around, but I just, I love this translation for this, and I think we probably have it on the, the screen too. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 4 through 8. And this, this is the model here. Actually, we're going to start, yeah, verse 4 and go to 8, and then we're going to skip down and do 11 through 13. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We learned that last week. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one, everyone say each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers 
for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. I'm giving intentional emphasis here. We're going to come back to this. Until, everyone say until, we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Everyone say fullness of Christ. This is powerful stuff here. You're like, I have no idea what that just said. Basically, let me, let me break it down for you. It says to each one, that means everyone is included. Each one was a gift that was given. And I'm going to say a role, a gift. A role for you has been given. Every one of us has been given a role. For what? For equipping. What does equipping mean? It means speaking of, training, imparting, encouraging. It means that there's an outflow from you to others. Equipping who? Equipping the saints. That's you and I and all that would enter the kingdom of God. For what? For the service. What is the service? The service is the proclamation of the good news to let Jesus be known and put him on display. For what? The building up of Christ and his kingdom. Is that awesome? If that doesn't turn you on, you don't have a switch. I mean, that, that you and I have been called, we've been given individual gifts for the building up of the saints so that Christ's name would be glorified, built up, and his kingdom would become for, for the fullness of Christ. And he lists a bunch of things there. It says unity, for the knowledge, for the maturity, and to the measure of the stature, all that stuff, until we attain the unity, faith, knowledge, maturity, Amazing stuff of the fullness of Christ. Now, what does the fullness of Christ mean? It kind of seems like an interesting word. Like, what is the fullness of Christ? Maybe we should pray about that. God, show us what the fullness of Christ is. Well, I looked up that Greek word. And that Greek word, I'm going to pronounce it as pleroma, is what it basically means. And here's what it means, pleroma. It means filling, but the filling so that Christ has been filled Sorry. It means Christ has filled it, you and I, with all kinds of gifts and dwells in it and walks in it. The fullness means that Christ is in it, dwells in it, walks with it. So you and I exist for the encouraging, the building up to have roles that have been given to each one of us for the building up of his kingdom, the empowerment of the saints, so that Christ would dwell in us, through us, and be with us. That is the fullness of Christ. That's not a, a one-hour, 26-minute message. That's not church service. That means that you and I, when we leave these doors, that Christ should be walking with us. He should be in the workplace. He should be on our campuses. That Christ is not limited to a building of four walls and a steeple. That Christ lives in the fullness of his power, dwelling with us and walking among us. That sounds exciting. Now, what about the roles here? I'm going to read it again. It's my page just turned the wind it says he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers there's a significance to the order there we'll get into that in a second you notice how pastors and teachers is the last listed there this is a representation of the roles that we get to play in the kingdom for ministry apostles prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There's five. This is commonly called the five-fold ministry, if you will. That in, in, in kingdom ministry, that these are the five manifestations, the five anointings, if you will, of the kingdom ministry here on earth. 
Sounds a little vague if you don't know, if you haven't heard that term before. There's a book called Culture of Honor by Danny Silk. You can read about it, talks just about this kind of stuff. But let me give you a picture. What, what are the, the different permutations of apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor? Now, let's say there's a car accident, terrible car accident on Bradshaw. And um, I'm going to give you like an example of each of the, the, the roles here. So there's a horrible accident. So the, the pastor, and, what, and before I jump in this, I want you guys, as I describe these, I want you to be listening with your eyes, listening with your heart, watching with your eyes, listening with your ears and your heart. Listen for the characteristics, the attributes of these different roles in kingdom ministry that, that ping your heart. The, the attributes, the, the phrase that says, that kind of sounds like me. Look for where you fit in this. I really believe that each one of us has, if not one, multiple places in these roles, and then we need to bring it out. I'm not going to let us develop our community knowing that it's always about one person in the microphone. We do ministry together. So these are the, the five areas and roles. So listen for where you might say, yeah, that sounds like me or an attribute of me. So big car accident, huge you know, huge mess. <laughs> it's about to get graphic. I don't know why, but it's bad, right? So a pastor, pastor shows up, and a pastor, he's like doing triage. He's understanding. He's calm. He's collected. He's seen panic. He's seen terror, and he is a purveyor of hope. It's kind of like Chad. You can come to Chad. He's like, my arm is off, and he's like, yeah, let's go over there. We'll, we'll get it bandaged up. You know, he's like steady Eddie. He knows how to like get everything organized and detailed, and, and he's not shaken, right? So a pastor shows up, and he's there. He's working with a family. He's, like, consoling people. He's, like, mobilizing individuals. He's setting triage. He's, he's managing the logistics, aware of the needs, aware of the solutions, and he begins to work and to serve. He's the first responder. That's the role of the pastor in this metaphor. Now, the teacher comes along, which is, I'm, I'm in that boat, and the teacher would come by, and the teacher comes to the car accident, and thanks to the pastor, everyone's kind of calm and collected and getting ministered to. It's great. And the teacher's like, oh, look at these skid marks, and, you know, look at that huge dent over there, and, and, and look at this. And, you know, maybe he pulls out the, the car, you know, manual, and he's, like, researching, like, how fast this car go, what's the braking speed, you know, what, what kind of tires are on there, were the tires in good shape, what happened, was the pavement wet, you know. And he's doing a diagnosis of what happened, a knowledge search. He's thirsty. He wants the details. He is... He is investigating, and his job is to give an example or an explanation for why that accident happened, and to also give the solution to how to avoid it. That is what a teacher does. A teacher is to take information, extract it, find the significance of it, and give clarity in a new direction. You guys with me so far? Now, evangelist. Evangelist comes on the scene, and let's say there's five people in the car, and one person maybe died. Right? Evangelist is going to be there, and he's going to be in the thick of things. He's going to be grabbing people, and he's going to be just saying, man, what a tragic accident, but man, there's a hope in Christ Jesus. And maybe that person was saved, and he's like, this person is in heaven, and do you know if you died right now, if you were in that car accident, would you be with Jesus right now, or where would you be? He's going to be bold. He's going to be excited to, to give the good news of Christ to everyone around. And he's going to be getting everyone together and, and saying, Jesus is good. This person is in heaven. He's, he's just fired up. He's like, but you need to know Jesus. There's an urgency about the evangelist that he can communicate the hope and the purpose of Christ. That's the evangelist. Now the prophet, this is where it kind of gets crazy. The prophet, let's say, had a dream that night, was waking up in the middle of the night. Have you ever like woken up in the middle of the night with a thought on your mind? 
and you're just like, I just got to pray about something. I don't know what this is. I've had moments in my life where I've been waking out of my sleep, and all I knew was just to pray for this person, and I just had a word. And then I text the person, like, I just woke up in the middle of thinking about you. And like, oh my gosh, you know, no way. Maybe that's you. Or maybe one time that you were praying with somebody, and we were in El Salvador, and we're praying for this lady, and so she had this crazy pain, and we're able to just supernaturally know that there was a tragic death in her family, and we were able to speak to that. That is what a prophet does. He would know and have his heart awakened to the urgency of other people's hearts. And maybe that, that the, the gift of the prophet is to, to be in contact with somebody else and to see the depths of their heart and see the pains of their heart from past traumas too. There's no way that they would know that there's a car accident, but knows that you have suffered a great loss sometime in your life. And that is the fruit of, of the prophet, is to a demonstration of supernatural knowledge. Now the apostle. The apostle is... Uh, on the scene, and, and they're around. They are mobilizing people for prayer. They're starting intercession groups. They're texting people, get on your knees now. We need to pray for these injured people. Uh, he's also asking who has the gift of healing. Do we need to pray with people? We need to put the laying on of hands. And he's also finding people that have giftings and supernatural strengths in them. And so he's going to be cultivating them. He's like, you have the, this power, this anointing in your life, and you need to bring it forward and use it. So an apostle is going to be identifying your supernatural strengths, your, your kingdom anointings, and help encourage its use in the situations. Amen? Everyone okay with that? So these are the different roles in that kind of metaphorical situation. Now let me give you a, a few more attributes here. That's the, the metaphor, but I have a couple little sheets here. And what I want is I'm going to go through the, these, these characteristics one more time, just in general. And these are absent of the, of the, the metaphor, but I want you to hear like, man, that, that sounds like me. That's something I would do. And we're going to pass these out, and if you have a pen, or there should be some on the end table, I really encourage you guys, if there's, if there's an attribute on here that sounds like you, want you to circle it. It's really important that we break out of a mindset of the pew potato burden. It's really important that we identify if Paul says several times in here, these are the demonstrations of ministry that we understand where we might fit. How you guys doing? You all right? You awake? Talking really fast, losing my voice, that's great. I'm really passionate about this tonight. I really feel this is from the Lord. So pastors, characteristics of the pastors, the heart breaks for the things that break God's heart. Do you have an unusual burden for the pains of the world? A pastor is going to mourn and grieve with those in need. They're going to have great empathy about them. A pastor's also going to come and walk alongside people as a great comforter and friend. Sometimes the best thing a pastor can do is just have ears for those who are in need and just have a crying shoulder. A pastor also attends to the needs and hearts of people and sees solutions. Where's Kim? Is Kim in here? Kim, he's, yes, man. Kim is, Kim is my little all-star right now because uh, a couple weeks ago, she, bless her heart, came to the church to give some cookies, I think, to the staff, right? And uh, so she just brought in cookies. And so she didn't know it, but there was a girl who walked in probably about 20 minutes before her. She had walked for five hours to get to church here. 
and she had this crazy falling out. Her boyfriend stole all of her stuff, threw herself in out, stole her wallet. She had nothing. All she knew was that she could walk here and someone would find help. And so she's here at the church, and she's intercepted by Kim. And Kim's like, oh man, and, and totally prays with her. He's like, I really feel I need to pray with you. And so they pray, and Kim invites her to Epic Life a couple weeks ago, and we connect up, and so then we send the word out, and so then we have her in a hotel, and then, then we have food, and then we're getting her clothes, and I got all these donations from all you guys, and it was crazy, and she's like, I don't have room for all this stuff, you know, and we help her get up to Oregon so she can have a safe shelter. It's amazing. So Kim, and she's coming back. Yeah, she comes, and she's, yeah, and she's five months pregnant. Crazy. I mean, crazy in need, but Kim in that moment could have walked in, dropped off the cookies. Thank you. Goodbye. You know, no, she saw the need. She came alongside. Can we give Kim a hand? It's awesome. A pastor anointing is going to help connect resources with needs. Now, teachers, again, just like the metaphor of, of studying and examining things, as a teacher has a deep desire for deep understanding and learning has to learn how, to, how do things work and, and how, does this, how does this, you know, get figured out. I see a problem. I, I want a solution for this. They have a capability for connecting ideas and thoughts. They would be able to read something maybe in the Old Testament and be like, oh, that sounds like something I read somewhere in the New Testament. And we were like, these two intentions are the same. And they also have a burden to share knowledge and help others understand. If you've been in a, a position where maybe someone is like, oh, man, I'm just really anxious and nervous, and maybe you're like, you know, the Bible says to, like, not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, you know, give glory to God, and that he'll give you peace that transcends all understanding. If that, if you've done that, you might have a teaching anointing to, to lead someone and to teach someone the word. It doesn't need to be grand. It doesn't need to be this huge sermon with 85 points, you know, but if you've communicated the word of God, if you've studied it, and you've communicated with others in that fashion to teach them, and you might have the teaching anointing. A teacher anointing also communicates the mysteries of the scriptures, that you would be able to read a certain scripture and have a, an ability to understand it and communicate it in a totally relevant and applicable way to life. It also uh, provides specific direction and application from God's word, is that you could read the scriptures and know, what does this mean for me today? The Bible says the scriptures are unsearchable. That's because we read it and we can find infinite possibilities in our life that God might be using to direct us and, and lead us. An evangelist, if you are maybe like a social butterfly, if you are like comfortable in all circumstances, you can go anywhere, and, and maybe you're the person that has no problem talking to anybody, you might have an evangelism anointing on your life. And this anointing simply means that you are in people's life, that you do not have to, like, insert yourself into communities, that you, you live and people live around you. That is amazing gifting to have. I know so many people that, I'm sorry, I know so many people that are so good at that, and it, it drives me nuts. And uh, people just, like, love to be around them. And people just, like, want to tell them their whole life, like, I don't know why I'm telling you all of my problems, but I am, you know? Maybe you said that to somebody else, or maybe someone has said that to you. But an evangelism anointing is going to give you access to people that others do not have. And I believe to a certain extent, all of us have access to people groups that are unique to us, but an evangelism anointing is going to give you favor in circles that other people don't have. 
You have an anointing also for boldness in speaking out. Maybe you speak your mind, you're opinionated, you don't mind chiming in. Maybe you, you would like, oh, I'd grab that microphone in a second. You know, that is an evangelism anointing. You also can communicate the heart of God, his love, goodness, and compassion. An evangelist will also, this is key, see people's potential in Christ. I think evangelism is so much about seeing who someone could be in Christ. Yes, it's about the salvation, and it's about the forgiveness of sins. It's about the redemption of a people to God, but it also is, is seeing, I see Christ's love in you. I see his adoration for you. It's being able to communicate those intentions for God for his people. Someone who has an evangelism anointing is living a life that's not so ordinary. You know, life might be on the seat of your pants. Many stories, experiences, if you're like, oh, I have this crazy story, I mean, that might be you. And also another sign is that you have an urgency and and you are are concerned about immediacy of, of things. Prophets. Prophets have dreams, visions, pictures, and spiritual metaphors. If you're ever praying for somebody and you get like the weirdest picture in your mind, it's probably an actual prophetic image. I used to think that I'm being so distracted. Like, why do I think of this when I'm praying for this person? It's so lame. Maybe God is trying to communicate something totally unique and random, but it's going to be so powerful. When we're in El Salvador a couple weeks, a couple weeks ago, wow, no, that was a long time ago. When we're in, two months ago, but actually a year prior, we sat around and we just asked God to give us different like pictures and images and things because we were doing a lot of outbound ministry. And, and Stephanie, I think, had like the, the picture of a Christmas tree. It's like a trillion degrees. It's in March, and she had a Christmas tree image in her head. And so she wrote it down. Well, on one of their pilgrimages, right? Um, that didn't sound right. <laughs> you get it. They're out there, and so they walk into home, and they see a Christmas tree. No, no, no. They, they're praying, and they say, I see a Christmas tree was on my heart. And this couple began to weep. There's no Christmas tree in sight, but Stephanie had said, I just see a Christmas tree, and I don't know what that means. And they begin to weep because the divisive uh, just divide in their marriage was about a Christmas tree. And it was tearing them apart as this like long-term standing thing. Crazy, right? So when you're praying for someone and you get something so random like a Christmas tree, you know, be bold. Like, why not say it? Like, I, and you can always preface it like, I have no idea what this is, but this is what I'm getting. It's totally okay for us as, as when we, we intercede on behalf of other hearts that we got to be okay that God's going to reveal, you know, interesting things you know, maybe awkward things or maybe unique things. Like, why do I, why do I, I see a burrito. I see that all the time, but, you know, why, why is that, you know? It could be significant. A prophet also is going to get words of knowledge. If you have discernment, if you have intuition, if you always have, like, the ability to really kind of gauge what the right thing to do is, you might have a prophet anointing. If you have the ability to look at complex circumstances, and to know, like, this is really the right way, and I'm really sure about it. That's a prophetic anointing, that God is giving you supernatural wisdom. A prophetic anointing also helps you communicate God's intention and his heart for people. If your heart breaks for other people and their hearts, if someone has gone through a difficult circumstance or issue, maybe there's a moral failure, and your heart just, like, burdens for them, and you just have an unusual, like, as if it happened to you, or maybe your own son or daughter, if that burden is over you, then you might have a prophetic anointing for them. Because you're going to be able to articulate God's best for them. And in that pain, you're going to have clarity to say, this is not who you are, and let me paint the picture of who you are in Christ. 
It's a powerful, powerful thing. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. You're also able to increase the faith of the demonstration of prophecy. If you're here for Havilah, or even here when, when Brandon came and spoke, you, you heard and you saw, like, get the, the CD, it was crazy. You know, she just was like, I don't know you, but boom, I got a whole bunch of information on you. It was like, people were like, I'm not leaving anywhere, time, you know. And everyone was great because after the first couple of prophecies went out, everyone's like heads down, like, everyone's kind of like doing this, like, do me next, you know. And it was awesome. A, a powerful demonstration of God's spirit. It's also an exhortation for people to live what God has called them to live or how to live. Lastly, the apostleship or being apostle, the apostle anointing. Now, apostle actually means to be the messenger of God and to go and build his church. It also is uh, significant because we know that, that the church, I mean, little C church, right? Four walls and a steeple. This is about big C church, like the larger, like we are all the church together. It's about building the church, the church of your heart. Christ dwells within your heart. It's about establishing the lordship in people's hearts for the kingdom. Am I, am I, am I tracking here? So, so an apostle anointing will help other people have uh, the ability to make Christ the lord of their heart. It's about discipleship. It's about commitment. It's about spiritual father and spiritual mother. And what is that? Paul had that relationship with Timothy. Read anything from Paul, and you'll see an apostle and you'll see him contending for the hearts, like the building up of Christ on their hearts and seated as the exclusive ruler of people's hearts and contending for that. He also identifies giftings and helps raise people into their anointings. They have a heart for people and discipling others to be um, the best that they can be. Also helping replicate Christ in others. Now I just want to wrap up with a couple of quick things. It's really important that we know that neither one of these is important more than the other. It's important to know that, that each of us, that this, is not, this is not a whole checklist, like, I got to be all of these things. And in one of the most liberating thoughts I believe in the Christian faith is to know our place and know our role. And you might say, man, out of those 30 things, like, 29 of those things freak me out. But this one thing, like, yeah, that's kind of me. And there's a stewardship, and we know which maybe area we're in. I think it's an encouragement that we begin to walk that out and explore that a little bit more. If, if you are, let's say, getting into painting for the first time, your painting is going to stink on ice the first time you do it. I, there, there's this, this, if you Google, like, art critic children art or something like that, you'll find this hilarious, like, site. And this guy, it's, like, tongue-in-cheek, but he takes, like, four-year-old's pictures, and he critiques them. And it's there, he's like, this fire truck is terrible. Like, you know, the smoke flames, it looks like hair, F. You know, and he grades like all these children's art, right? And it's hysterical. And I just laugh and laugh and laugh because he's like, these children suck. I could do way better than them, you know? And so it's, it's absolutely hysterical. But we need to know that, that when we, we sense and we feel and we identify with, with an anointing in ministry, that we begin to explore that. It might be messy, it might be a little bit uncomfortable. It might even be off. Who knows? But I promise you, in this community, in this group, I would rather have people be bold and might be off than never be bold at all. If you have a word from God, if you have a picture, if you have something that is meant for us, because again, we all minister together, I would rather you speak up and have us say, man, I don't know, but we're going to go for it anyways. What's the worst that can happen? The best thing that can happen is that God totally rocks somebody. 
And I want to live with you guys. I want to do ministry with you guys, knowing that we took every opportunity we could to have the presence, the intention of God move through our group. I don't want anybody to ever to be quiet because they don't feel that they have the role. We all have a shared role in this. Getting excited here. Sean texted me this morning. I love this, and it just, it just further confirms. Romans 11, 2, it says, The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Now, if you have a Bible still out, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm just going to read a little bit from here. You can just close your eyes and listen, but this is important that we put too much priority on maybe the guy who's talking or speaking, and we, we minimize the effectiveness that each one of us have. If you feel like, man, I can never be on a microphone, I could never go and, and preach, I could never, you know, try and tell someone about Jesus, you know, like, if all that stuff scares you, but you're like, man, I, I could definitely do relationships, and I could definitely ask the hard questions and be a disciple maker, then that is just as important as all the other things. First Corinthians 12 says this, I'm going to start in in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Manifestation means put on display. That you were meant to put on display the gifts of God for the common good that is all of us. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. We just talked about that. And to another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Awesome stuff. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All sorts of crazy things. Now, can you tell me how that awesome list, when was the last time you experienced some of that stuff? Hopefully recent, but I would argue that in today's church, we we miss so much of that stuff, and it's right here in the Bible for us. Seeing that this is God's best when we are operating, working together. These are the natural outcomes, the natural manifestations of it. But one of the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Again, no one is excluded. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less of a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. I'm going to skip forward here to to verse 28. Into verse 27. Now you are Christ's body, individually members of it. This should be the best news you've heard of your entire life. This should be the best news to know that I have not been called to live a wimpy Christian existence. This should be the best news of being like, 
I don't have to go to seminary to be a part of the kingdom of God. I do not have to go through these, these huge hoops. I don't have to be pre-qualified to do ministry. We are the members of Christ's body right now. So if we decide, it's not about the qualifications. It's are you obedient to see God move through you in that way? And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? I mean, you kind of get the idea, right? We need to be secure in the the very things that God has given us, and we need to do that well. In our spiritual walk, we're not called to be like shotguns, you know, where like shoots a wide air. We're, we're to be like, you know, very target rifles, like hit the target over and over and over again. I'm going to have the band come up. I just want to end with this. It's, if, if you get nothing out, out of tonight, just get this, please. Without the balance and the roles demonstrated here, our ministry will be ineffective without each of you finding your giftings, finding your anointings, allowing them to be forward and moved and be available for God, we will cease to be effective in any capacity. We might have some people who are effective. We might have those. But us as a group, if we want to see the real fruit of the kingdom, we need to know and champion those who have those anointings to come forward, to exercise in their life. If we are living a life of pew potatoes and always expecting just an easy softball message for us to, you know, read better books or things like that, we will have an ineffective ministry and I believe that we'll have an ineffective existence. I believe each one of us desperately wants to live a life of significance. And the risk is this, is that we can easily become a group that has all of, all of the knowledge but none of the power. We can know the Bible frontwards and backwards. We can have all this scripture memorized and we can be void of the power of the kingdom. Well, my Bible says that we're going to have power sent from on high that the Holy Spirit will give us and it'll be so powerful and so famous it'll be world-changing. I like that alternative better. We also run the risk of having lots of compassion but no salvation. We can have lots of efforts like, man, my heart really, really changed, but we never stepped forward and never did something to get the word of God, to get his revelation, God's intention known. It's important that we live lives helping to clarify what God sees of each other. The the most loving thing that you can do in ministry and in your life is when you live relationship with somebody is help clarify that picture of how God sees them. I believe that many of us, we live life, our identities are through a broken mirror with all these cracks. And as God does work in us and we live life, we're able to correct that mirror. We're able to give a better picture of who you are in Christ. And last is that we can hear the word of God, but not know his intention for today. We could have easily like glossed through that passage and totally missed what God had for us. We can totally miss the implication for our life. And so I just want to encourage you, as Romans 12, 3 says, let us exercise our gifts accordingly. Let us move boldly and and step forward in that. Can I ask you just, if, if you would be so bold, what I want to do 
is as we begin to worship here in, in just a moment, before we do that, I just want to just ask, if you feel like, man, one of these characteristics of a teacher really struck me. Can you just like stand real quick? And I want to go through these. Can we start with like a teacher? If you feel that there's a teaching anointing, and it's good for us to look around, this is great. This is like, oh, sweet, there's our specialist, right? It's awesome. The meaning to hire one of these guys. All right, so real, I just want you to extend a hand. If you're near someone, put a hand on them. So God, we just proclaim an open heaven over every single individual here, Lord, the teaching anointing. God, your word says that those who have the word of God, that they proclaim it as the utterances from God. We pray for a supernatural ability for understanding, for wisdom. Lord, we pray for opportunity, God, for them to speak boldly the manifold wisdom of the kingdom of God in their life. And you do it so powerfully. God, equip them, prepare them. Lord, move them. Let them know that this is an anointing for them as a time as this. I pray that they would be able to understand, God, the role that they can play with us. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if if you have one for the pastor, if you feel like you have, like, a characteristic in the pastors, yes. Awesome. Just, again, reach a hand out. God, we thank you for the hearts God, that break for your heart. Lord, we thank you for the people that have been prepared and equipped, Lord, to be in the right place at the right time. Lord, we pray that they would understand the valuable nature of their calling, Lord, not to be famous, not to, to be in the place, but to have significance, God, in the lives of those around them. Lord, we know that people are going to come to them and life will be in shambles. I pray that they would have the right words, they would have the right understanding, they'd have the ability to empathize in such a powerful way, Lord, that only the heart of Jesus could explain their life, their relationship with them. Lord, we pray that you just would anoint them for great opportunities and great service and great demonstrations of the pastoral anointing for their life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe that evangelism is an anointing in your life, would you stand? Yep, the few, the proud. <laughs> Just reach a hand out again. God, we thank you that you say the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Lord, we thank you that bold messengers stand before us. We thank you, God, that upon the, the lips of And the tongues of these individuals, Lord, they carry the power of salvation. Let them know that they carry the mantle of the Spirit wherever they go. Lord, we pray that you would give them crazy opportunities, Lord, to open their mouth and to speak the truths of the kingdom to others around them. We pray, Lord, for crazy favor. God, I I speak opportunity in government and in business. Lord, I I pray that there would be such a powerful uh, arm of witness, Lord, to the, the influencers that they would have their ear. And Lord, that they would not shy away, that they would have nothing to lose, they would have nothing to be afraid of. Because what's the worst that can happen? Nothing. The best that can happen is that salvation would spring up. So Lord, we thank you for how beautiful the feet are that carry your word. We pray that they would be so encouraged, so emboldened, know that the honor and the privilege that they carry with them. We thank you for them. We thank you for just their powerful works, the powerful salvation that, that trails and follows them. And we just pray, Lord, for just such a powerful anointing for them to understand the value, Lord, that you have over their gifting. Amen. Now for prophets, you stand. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Reach your hand out. Touch someone there. 
Man, no surprises for me in this room here right now. <laughs> Lord, we just commission, God, these individuals. Lord, that, that you've given a powerful access to your heart's intentions. Lord, that they would, would see with such clarity, God, your intentions for your people. They would see with such clarity your intentions for this group. Lord, for their lives, for what could be. Lord, that's what we contend for. Lord, we contend for what could be in our lives, in our city, in our church, in our group. Lord, we know that you are going to give supernatural downloads, supernatural wisdom and understanding to these individuals. Lord, we pray for platforms and for microphones and for willing ears and eyes to be available to listen, to understand, Lord, what you have from them. Lord, do that in us. Do that in them. May they equip others. Lord, if there's a, an anointing bestowed upon others who desire an anointing for prophecy, Lord, that they would be able to bestow that and give that and encourage that. We thank you for them. And last, all the apostles, if you feel that there's an apostleship, an apostle anointing over your life, please stand. All right. Let's go lay hands on these guys. If you're around, just get on them. <laughs> Anybody else? I feel like there's, there's somebody who's shy that really feels like this is, this was theirs. Lord, we, we um, God, first we commission apostles. Lord, there's such significance. Lord, the, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Lord, we thank you for those who contend to cultivate the harvest field. Lord, that powerful anointing would be over these men. And everybody else, Lord, in this, this room that didn't stand up that has the, the apostle anointing over them for discipleship, for cultivating the goodness, the power, the, the wisdom and the anointing of God in others' lives. Lord, we, we look at them and we say yes and amen to everything, Lord, that they would set their hands upon because, Lord, we know it releases the power of heaven. Lord, we know that under these hands and the prayers of these men, Lord, kingdom potential is released. Lord, demonstrations of gifts are released. God, just great moves of your spirit are released upon the presence of these men. Lord, we pray for new levels of boldness, new levels of understanding. God, new levels of authority. We pray for just a powerful wisdom just to be over them. And Lord, we also pray for humility, God, about them, that they would humbly serve you, humbly seeking to save and to seek the lost. We thank you for them. We thank you for all your giftings here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I love it. Thank you guys for being bold. Can we just do a clap offering for all the giftings here? So the great news about all of this is that we're not lacking anything, right? I was like, whew. I was like, man, please let people stand up. Like, we got to know that they're all here. So the great thing is that we now know some new giftings that we have. We now know that, that some people have a calling on God for a special purpose unique to them that's been given by God for us to enjoy. How awesome is that? And the great thing is that, that we get to seek and also to learn about how God will give us new anointings because God is the, the giver of gifts. He says he's given us every spiritual blessing. So if, if you're feeling like, man, I, 
I still don't know any of those. I just would, would pray and ask God to reveal which one of these God has given you. And this transcends like love, peace, patience, kindness. There's all sorts of other spiritual gifts. We're talking about ministry roles that we are complete, that we are lacking in nothing, that God has generously given us in our little community everything he has for the fullness of Christ. Remember, the fullness is that Christ would dwell with us and in us in everything we do. It's perfect. It's how it's supposed to be. And God's so gracious to give us all of it. Why don't we stand and, and we're going to sing a few songs. And I just want you to dial in. Just pray as we sing these last couple songs that, that God would give you just a further boldness into asking for what's next. He would, that you would seek and ask, God, where is my place? Lord, show me the opportunity. And we, we just, Lord, just thank you again for every heart and mind here. Lord, we thank you that you've been generous to give us an abundance of giftings here. We pray, Lord, as our leadership, as just our individual hearts and minds are aligned, that we would just would welcome the involvement. Lord, that we welcome the ministry. Lord, I pray tonight, God, that everyone that, that attends Epic Life, that is part of Epic Life, the community, Lord, that on Thursdays, that, that you know, friends ask, where are you going? I'm going to go minister. Are you, are, you, are you preaching? No, but I'm going to go minister. Someone, I have a word for them. I'm going to go minister. I pray that each one here tonight, Lord, would know that they are meant for kingdom greatness. They are meant for kingdom significance. God, they have a role and a purpose. Lord, we pray that that be our attitude that we come and we learn so much from each other. We're so encouraged. And God, that we would experience the fullness. We thank you for this, for them, and for all you're doing here. Amen. Let's worship.